Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health Podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get into it. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable. We have got a really good Q&A for you guys this week. We're going to be talking all about relationship with food. That is the topic of today's Q&A. We got four really great questions in here to dive into. But what's up, Brevin and Chris? What's up, guys? What's going on? What's going on? Not much, not much. Just feel like it's been a busy, busy week. I don't know about you guys, but this week's been busy, but all, all good things are happening. So good things. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. So let's dive on in. Number one, Cassandra asks more about the relationship with depression and slash hormones and eating. Are they are there any studies on this? She said, I have anxiety, depression, and I notice when they're when they get bad, the depression specifically, I tend to want to eat more quote unquote junk. Even if I have food prepped and available, I'll go out of my way for the junk food for comfort. Brevin, what you got? Yeah, no, I think this is a good question. And I think it's kind of the the chicken or the egg question. Like which one comes first? Is the anxiety or depression making the relationship with food worse? Or is your relationship with food making the anxiety and depression worse? Um, I think they play off of each other. There's a little bit of both there. Um, and I think this is kind of like uh, the emotional eating. Um, we have to understand like where these emotions are coming from. And we have to start to to work through some of those emotions. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is they try to out diet a bad relationship with food or emotional eating. And they try to just push that stuff off to the side and like fight their way through it. But you have to actually hold space for those emotions. You have to deal with those things. You have to work through those things. And once you do that, it becomes a little bit easier to catch it in the moment and not be like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm feeling these, these emotions. I'm feeling these things and go towards the other stuff. That's also not going to make you feel any better, but it gives you that like quick response of, okay, I feel better for a second. And then immediately I feel worse again. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like unconsciously we almost do it right. Like it's, we have that guilt, we have that shame and you know, whatever that is going on, that stress that comes in your life, you might have that guilt or that shame. And we instantly just go to food unconsciously. Like maybe it's because like what you did in the past is just like become like a habit for you or whatever. But like then what happens is you overeat in those foods, you overindulge. And then what happens then the next day you feel more guilt, more shame about that. And it's like this cycle that we find people living in. Um, so I totally agree with you, Brevin. Like you have to address the things under the surface. Um, you know, we talk a lot about like all the other fad diets out there. Right. But like, I feel like the reason why those are so unsuccessful is they don't address it. Right. They just put you into a caloric deficit and say, great, good luck. Congrats, you know, or congratulations, you lost 30 pounds, but you didn't address the relationship with food. You didn't address the stress eating, the emotional eating, which we know that if that's not addressed 99% of the time, the, the weight's going to come back on. You're, you're eventually going to go back to that old identity. So it's these, these kind of things in here that you really have to do the dirty work. And I think like as humans, we don't want to do the dirty work. We avoid it. And as soon as like we bring these conversations up of anxiety and depression, we kind of run. Like I know I do myself even like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this work. What does this have to do even with my, you know, my weight loss? You know, like a lot of people don't correlate the two. Um, so I think it's super important that, you know, you actually understand that this is going to take a little bit deeper than just setting macros and a workout for you. Yeah. 
Well, and I think especially when it comes to like anxiety and depression, like no one likes to deal with their feelings. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. It's hard. But like, again, chicken or the egg, they're both going to play off of yeah. each other. I, had, I actually had a really, really good conversation. Actually, one of my favorite coaching calls I've had recently with a client last night. And it was a push deal and almost around the same topic. She was someone who deals with a lot of anxiety um, and just a lot of things going on in her life right now. And she said that, you know, one of her biggest patterns is she'll eat pretty good throughout the day. But then she gets to the end of the day, nighttime, everyone goes to bed and then she's kind of like alone and it gives her that time where it's just like she ends up finding herself eating some junk food. And it's almost like the after the fact, she's noticing it afterwards. She'll like reflect and she's like, wait, you know, she's looking at the empty bag of chips or the, you know, the, the sweets that she just ate the container of them. And she's just like, oh, I just did that crap. Like what, what just happened? It's almost so, so subconscious, not even thinking about it. And so we had a really great conversation in terms of like, you know, number one, we have to create a physical visual for yourself to be able to like prevent that. So it's like, you know, whether that's putting a sticky note up somewhere, whether that's putting like a fridge magnet on the fridge, she said like her sweets and chips and stuff she keeps in a pantry. I was like, you know, there's something you can like hang on the pantry door, like something that you could like a visual a sticky note somewhere that's just, you know, and it doesn't have to say like, hey, don't overeat. Right. Because like I know people will be like, oh, I don't want to put that up with my family to see, you know, my my, you know, my husband, or my boyfriend or my kids to see that. But like just put a cool quote or something like that or put just a smiley face like you know it can be anything it wants to be it's just something that you know yourself what that means and then once you see that then that's going to help you switch from that subconscious thinking and just that impulse and make it more of a conscious thinking and the importance behind that is going to be then i told her right now your mind is like thinking all right i'm feeling anxious and whenever I feel bad or anxious or depressed or any of these emotions, anytime I feel that way, I know in the past, if I go eat some of that food, it makes me feel good in the moment, right? Like your body doesn't know whether it's healthy or unhealthy. It just knows that it gives you that dopamine hit, gives you those endorphins, and it makes you feel good in that moment. And so it's going to keep tying it back to when you have that subconscious thought and you're laying in bed and you're trying to go to sleep or maybe, and then you get that impulse of like, you know, anxiety and then having to deal with it. Your brain's like, Hey, Miss Jones, I know what will solve all those anxieties for you right now is that bag of Oreos. Like it'll, it'll, it'll take care of that right away to so go eat those. And then like, she's told me, she's like, I go and eat them. And then, but then afterwards I feel guilty. And so then we've again, create the visual in between. Then we go into other techniques as well as like addressing, like, what do you currently need? You know, are you lacking protein? Are you lacking water? Are you lacking micronutrients? Are you lacking sleep? How are your emotions in this current moment? And I actually print, uh, gave her out a um, little self-assessment that she could do for herself in those moments when these things come up. And then ask yourself, what am I lacking? What can I fill this void with other than the food? And the more times you put it into this and the more reps you're putting into it, the easier this will go and help you make this identity shift. Because right now you have those self-limiting beliefs. And we identified some of hers last night on a call. And we started helping her come up with some like affirmations and such to kind of transform that thinking into newer thinking to help her bridge those gaps and prevent that from happening next time. Yeah, I mean, awareness precedes change. Like you're never going to be able to make this change if you're not aware of what's happening, why it's happening. Like that's the first thing because like you said, a lot of people, they go through this and it's subconscious. They don't even realize they're doing it until it's over. It's just one of those like the feedback loops and we have to start to – we have to become aware first before we can break that feedback loop of emotion, eat, guilt, 
emotion, eat guilt, and and kind of go back and forth through that whole thing. Um, so a journal prompt that I, I've used before um, with clients is like, first you have to become aware. You have to see it in the moment that it's happening. But like, why am I feeling this way? And what am I feeling? Mm-hmm. Start to understand those things because then when you, once those emotions come up, if it's anxiety or depression or anger, whatever it is, you can start to catch it before it happens. So you start to feel that anxiety. You can know, be like, okay, in the past, I have done this, like you said, and we can start to break that feedback loop that constantly goes around in this cycle. You just think like, you know, I, I, I look at it this way too. It's, it's almost like habitual. Like people get into a routine of put my kids to bed. I go downstairs, I go to the pantry, right? Like that's literally what you have to break that cycle. You have to break that habit of like, now I go downstairs and I will start walking on a treadmill and it can be as little as, you know, as that, or I'm doing laundry or whatever it is, but you have to distract your mind and get your mind off of that pattern. You've developed a pattern. I did this the other night of like, I have this after our Facebook lives, I'm like, take my son up to Dollar General to get ice cream, or I go up to Dollar General to get ice cream or whatever the case may be. But like, cause I don't keep that stuff in my house. I just don't. Um, and like that is like instantly off that live. I, it was like, Oh, going to, going to the store. And I was like, no, I'm too lazy. I don't want to go do that. Um, but I didn't, but like, that's, that's something that just comes into my mind after a Facebook live or after I get done working at eight o'clock at night, like, it's just like, Oh, I'm going to go up and get ice cream. And I'm like, nah, yeah. break that pattern. Yeah. This client actually said that hers was habitual as well. And it's not something we're, we've continued to like working through. It's like, and, I, and like I've showed her, it's like, we're going to take a little baby steps here and there and, you know, start finding other ways to intervene with that. And we're trying to get her in, in, into journaling more and things like that. So um, you're right. Like it, it, it's just, that's where the subconscious, like ha- the habits and the subconscious, when those two mix, that can be a really ugly thing, right? Like, and it can be a positive thing as well, but it can also be negative as well. Well, I mean, what is your identity? It's just the sum of what your habits are. So like if your habits are continually showing you that this is the person you are, you have to begin to change that one habit at a time. If nothing changes, nothing changes. We say that all the time. Like there has to be some break in that loop, some break in that feedback loop, and then you can start to change it. And one thing I want to, I want to point out too, is I think a lot of people think it's either black or white, either doing it or I'm Mm -hmm. not doing it. And, and that's not how it is. It, it's on a very much a sliding scale, like you catching yourself in the moment, even while you're doing it or not letting it go as far or not letting it happen as often is all a win. It's not going to just be, well, I was doing it and now I'm never doing it again. Um, so, and I think a lot of people get discouraged of like, oh, well, I, I haven't been doing it for a while, but then it happened again. But you went longer in between. You didn't let it spiral as much. You caught yourself in the moment and you stopped it and you did something else. You journaled instead of continuing to eat. Like those are all huge wins. It's not an overnight process. Awesome. Brevin, what's number two? I keep trying to break up with food, but food doesn't get the message. How can I end this bad relationship? So I asked a little bit more context here, and she said, my food issue is and always has been starchy carbs. I crave starches like bread and potatoes. I've never been able to find an alternative that satisfies that craving. Right now, I'm on Manjaro for my blood sugar, so it's not a problem because I don't have an appetite and eating mostly protein, but at some point, I need to break the starch curse. I'm down 14 pounds since 9-1. But I think a lot of it is because after I eat my protein and a vegetable, I'm not hungry due to Manjaro, so I don't eat any starches. This is not a long-term solution. Fantastic question. Yeah. Um, way to call me out. 
I, uh, I'm going to take this a little bit of a different route. Actually, I just talked about this on Tuesday nights live. Like I'm reading this and I'm like, I crave starches like bread and potatoes. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I mean, not like necessarily like cravings, but like a great way to fit in those kind of foods that maybe you feel like you're overeating is just tracking your calories. Like you can eat those foods, like track it and find out like, oh, sweet. I can have three potatoes in a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You start to realize those things. Um, so I think that I'd start there. I would give yourself permission to eat those kind of things, but um, also know that sometimes you have to maybe pull back a little bit um, if that's the case, if you find yourself overeating them. So I just would really start to build awareness around like, actually, are you overeating them? And then, you know, where's this guilt coming from? Like, maybe you're just, you're giving yourself this guilt and this shame over eating these kind of things for no reason. And you're actually still eating in a deficit or at your maintenance or whatever the case may be. Um, but I would, I would take that approach first of like, you know, not remove that guilt. And I think by tracking, by building that awareness can help with that. Yeah. I have a client that, um, she's been on a medication that also suppresses her appetite as well. Um, and it's not, she has not been taking it for that. It was actually for some anxiety and depression symptoms, but like one of the main side effects is, um, appetite suppressant. And actually it, it's an off-label use of it. Some doctors will actually will prescribe it for that reason, but hers was not for that reason. I will say that. Um, but she was, she told me the same, this is almost the exact same scenario here was cause she was like, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, able to control my cravings and my hunger and things like that much easier because of this medication. And I was like, all right, hold up before we start giving all that power and control to this medication. What are you doing to help with that instead? Right? Like I, like, I totally get that. Like, it is going to help drop some of those cravings. But what else can we fill in that void there? Like, like I think it's it's one thing if you just say, oh, yeah, I never have cravings anymore because I take this medication. Well, if you're not planning on staying that medication forever, because a lot of these medications, unfortunately, are meant for long-term use. And that's what a lot of people don't understand when they go on these. But if we're not planning on using this for long-term use, then we need to start looking at, all right, even if this is suppressing my appetite, if you know that you're currently, this is like normally when I would be craving something like this, what else could I be doing during this time? Maybe I journal about that thought. Maybe I go for a walk. Maybe I, you know, I might get my workouts in. Maybe, you know, this is something where I need to think a little bit at a deeper level rather than just being like, huh, thank goodness I'm on Majoro because that helps me with my appetite. Like that is, that will help with that. But again, if this is not something that you want to be on long-term, then we've got to start looking more into this and figuring out, how can I take the power away from that medication and make it something that it's my choice? Like even, even just the mindset shift of, and like, this is again, towards like the identity, like you're, you're somebody who does not overeat. You're somebody who does not crave carbs, right? Like, again, like Chris said, perfect point, allow yourself to have these foods. And the more you start doing that and taking more of that power and control back over yourself and labeling that as your own self-control and your own willpower, your own discipline that will carry forward after you're off that medication as well. Yeah. And I think that the biggest thing that sticks out to me here that I want to touch on first is, is just the relationship with food yep. in general. Um, you, you, like, like Chase said, you're giving a lot of power to this medication, but the medication more than likely isn't going to be there forever and more than likely isn't going to have that effect forever. So we have to address that root cause right now. It's a band aid. It's fixing the problem for now, stopping the bleeding for a second. 
But until we address where that bleeding's coming from, you're going to continue to struggle. Um, so, so saying things like, my issue has always been starchy carbs. I crave these and I can't have them. I can never find an alternative that satisfies them. Great. Don't. Like Chris said, give yourself permission. Um, so I actually wrote down a couple reasons or a couple ways that you can improve your relationship with food. Um, so the things I wrote down are avo- avoiding the good and bad food mentality. I think right now you're, you're classifying these foods as bad. You can't have them. Well, you enjoy them. I love starchy carbs. I had potatoes last night. I had like four pieces of bread yesterday. I had a sandwich and I had two for breakfast. Like I, I love those things, um, but I'm not classifying them as good or bad. When you classify them as bad, you eat those foods. You think you did something bad and you just, again, we talked about feedback loops. You start to create this cycle of like, I can't have this food. I don't want this food. When you give into it, then you're like, oh my gosh, I did something bad. I need to restrict again. I can't have those. And then you just repeat over and over again. Um, Ditching food rules. Anything that creates a rule around food, get rid of it. Give yourself permission. Like Chris said, Um, addition, not subtraction. What thing can you add into your life rather than what things do you need to constantly take away? Well, you can add in more protein. You can add in more fruits and veggies and fiber and exercise and water and all this kind of stuff. Um, stop trying to constantly diet, take some time to work on these foundational pieces, like your relationship with food first, um, challenge your fears. Well, are those foods really bad or can you actually have them? And it's fine. Um, is it going to be, um, one thing that I've talked about with clients before, um, an issue that they've had is like, well, I don't know if I'm going to have enough food at night. I'm afraid that I'm going to be hungry at night. So I'm saving all my calories and I end up binging like awesome. Well, are you actually getting hungry at night or are you just feeling like you might get hungry and you're afraid of that fear? Let's challenge our fears. Um, you don't have to clean your plate, eliminate distractions. One other one Chris touched on was track your calories and understand your budget. A lot of people view this as restrictive, but it can actually open up such a cool world for you where you can be like, yeah, I can have the cupcake or the the potatoes or the the carbs or whatever you want. You can have those things because you learn to fit it into your diet. You learn to have these trade-offs. You learn to make these sacrifices and include the things you want and still be able to hit your goals. Like once you can do that, that shit is so freeing. Um, so, so there's a couple of ways that you can go about improving your relationship with food. Cause I think that's the most important thing. Um, and, and I agree with everything both of you said. Um, so I don't really have any more I need to add. To One that. other thing that I would also add that kind of like mixes in with what we've all been talking about, but one thing I want to clarify as well, this person said, I crave starches like bread and potatoes. Most people can't overeat just plain baked potatoes. Like if you like, like. I, I know Chris has talked to, I think it was Chris brought this up in a past show that we've done about, you know, like look at like a bag, a family sized bag of potato chips. It's Somebody like, could like, yeah, you said eight. It's like yeah. eight potatoes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, a lot of us, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I could definitely crush a whole bag of potato chips. No problem. But you give me eight baked potatoes that are, and we're not talking about Dude, you'd be like, so like no, no butter, sour cream, bacon, nothing like that on it, but just purely eight baked potatoes It'd be very difficult to eat that. So I think it's really important that we look at, you know, and also when you say breads, are we talking about just a regular piece of bread or are we talking about like a pastry or, you know, a cinnamon roll, or are we talking about like, you know, buttered with the butter and jelly on a piece of bread, peanut butter toast? Like, are we adding things to this? Because a lot of times it's not just the carbs themselves. It's a combination between carbs, sugars, which are also a carb, but carbs, sugars, and fats. And the, that combination makes it very highly palatable. And so I also think it's important for you to start de- like make sure we're actually being specific of what we're labeling as carbs. Because if you're just saying, I struggle with carbs, 
Well, of course, when you look at a baked potato, you're going to see that as quote unquote bad because you can't eat carbs versus if you were to eat the darn potato, you'd probably be just fine if you had a regular baked potato. You guys had like a bad egg in your class growing up, like, you know, a couple of kids that were just like, yeah, Brevin, you were probably like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I mean, it was you, man. <laughs> like, if you did it, it was probably you. We didn't, we didn't have one of those. <laughs> but I feel like, honestly, like all these like, you know, breads and potatoes and fruit and like all these great carbs just have been like that bad egg. Like they're yeah. they, like, they, they view them as that like, oh, but like. You know, oh, I guess like I'll take it to this this way. Like ninety five percent of the rest of the class is great, but it's that five percent that's made it bad for everyone else. And it's like that the five percent's like the processed foods and all of the junk carbs that people are eating. And it's like no, like but you're you're throwing away and like that. You know, you're just saying like, oh, this class is terrible. Like you know, and everything else. It's like no, actually, like only five percent of them are bad. And that's what we're saying to you right now. Like, like the fruits, the starchy carbs, like all of those are great carbs. It's not. Those aren't the bad ones. And I always say like, you know, if you're like avoiding those kind of things, that's actually probably the reason why you're struggling because a lot of those things are so high in fiber. They're going to fill you up. They're satiating. So if you would do avoid them, you're probably going to struggle even more. So once again, give yourself permission. Don't just view all carbs are bad. Um, what we're saying is obviously like the processed junk and things like that. It's, you know, stick to, I think eating like chase said i doubt you're just sitting there with a loaf of bread in front of the tv eating bread like you know what are you putting on it and then it goes down to what your budget is right like what you know brevin talked a little bit about yeah i I think at the end of the day it comes down to you have to address that root cause first and uh one last thing i want to touch on um you, you say that you're on the manjaro for blood sugar and um I assume a part of that is going to come down to weight loss. Well, the best way to to get off those medications is to exercise, to lift weights, to eat better, eat, eat higher quality foods more often, to be in a calorie deficit and to lose body fat, all the things you know you need to do. Now, can this give you a little bit of boost? Sure, but take advantage of that and use this time to also work on that foundational piece as well. Because if you do this and you lose the weight and you get off the medication and you never fix that foundation, you never built the habits, you never started to exercise or to walk more, to drink more water or to have more fruits and veggies or to improve your relationship with food in general, and then you get off that medication, I'm sorry to tell you, but that weight's going to come right back. And that is one of the most defeating things in the world is to feel like you had success and then have that weight come back. So we have to figure out like build the habits now because the way that you lose weight has to be the way that you maintain that weight loss. And if you're not planning to be on this medication forever, which it doesn't sound like you are, well, we have to have the habits in place to make sure that happens. We have to have these safeguards. hundred percent. Awesome. I also, I, I want to, this is, I shared it on my story yesterday. I'm going to read a post straight from Instagram that I think was my, one of my favorite posts ever. Yes. Um, I, I actually was thinking about that post just now I, when you were talking about those things. I pulled it up. I'm reading it. <laughs> Um, so shout Love out Jordan. Jordan. Um, he's been on both. He of our was podcasts. also my coach. Uh, he was Chase's Love coach. Yeah. Um, 
He said, in quotes, I can't lose weight. Tracking is too tedious, but your life looks like always eating out Fridays and Saturday drinks, grazing instead of eating real meals, eating like a widow baby, you know, fruits and veggies. Um, then he has a bunch of memes. on it, He's the best at um, memes, dude. <laughs> dude. And I know I is, just can see him right um, now just loving every bit of that. <laughs> Um, and then he says, I'm not saying everyone has to track. You don't seriously, but if you find, if you really find tracking too tedious and you're really struggling to lose weight, I bet there's a correlation that's worth looking into. Um, so all that said is like tracking can be super beneficial. And if you find tracking really, really hard, well, it's probably because you're making it even harder on yourself and you're not taking these foundational. Yeah, I mean, I even try to tell a lot of my clients because they'll, they'll be like, they start tracking and they're like. I don't know how to track this. I'm like, what are you, what are you eating? And it's like some casserole that has like 50 ingredients in it. And I'm like, can we just start with some like simpler meals? Like pick a protein, pick a veggie, pick a starch. You know, my favorite, my favorite thing to call those people, those Pinterest meal prep. <laughs> it's not even that. I mean, like, and this is, and, and I know we're going down another rabbit hole, but I, I feel like this is where a lot of people struggle is because Think about like when, you know, I don't know about you guys, but my parents and like their parents and their parents, like grandparents, you know, they come from a background like a lot of home cooking and a lot of and like cooking big meals and like, you know, having the casseroles, having the and it's not even like they're a pinch meal prepper. It's just they just make a lot of home cooked food with a lot of different ingredients inside of them. Um, and. But and that's what I call a Pinterest meal prepper is the person that makes these massive meals with a hundred ingredients. And then we wonder why we're a population that's all obese. Yeah. And, and so like now, like we have an entire loaf of freaking sour cream and cream cheese and oil. And like, I don't know why I, I gained 30 I know. pounds. It, it was so funny. Um, I was eating um, macaroni and cheese the other day. Somebody had made it and I guess saw them like making it and. And it was like every like the full fat cheese, whole stick of butter, whole carton of milk and like just like like tasted great. But I had like a little small portion and I logged like I went to like Cracker Barrel <laughs> on my fitness pal because I was like, all right, they probably have the like you know, the full goodness and all their stuff. So I like logged like one and a half servings, even though it probably was way overshooting. But I was like, I know this has got some good stuff in it. <laughs> See, and what we don't want you guys to take away from this is that those things are no, bad. I still it. <laughs> are they higher calorie? Are they higher calorie? One hundred percent. Um, I actually I had this call with a, a client the other day. I've actually had it twice in the past two weeks. Um, on the 80-20 rule. A lot of times we talk about the 80-20 rule inside of like nutrition. Like 80% of your foods come from whole food sources, lean meats, fruits, veggies, the outside of the grocery store kind of thing. 20% of your foods come from everywhere. I like to take this into your entire fitness journey. You crush it 80% of the time, hit your protein, hit your calories, drink your water, get your steps in, do your workouts. You crush it 80% of the time. If you're not perfect 20% of the time or 85, 15, that's not going to be the end of the world. You can still do these things, but there has to be some sort of trade-off. You can't just go into this and be like, well, I want to eat out five times a week still. I'm still going to do the exact same things that I was doing before. I'm just going to hope because I really want it that I'm going to lose weight this time. There has to be concrete reasons. I get super passionate about this one. There has to be concrete reasons as to why this time is going to be different, not because I want it more or I'm going to try harder or I'm going to be more motivated. Like that's bullshit. I'm sorry. It, it is. It's not going to happen unless you can point out why this time is going to be different. Um, so, so you have to make some, there has to be some sort of habits changed, new habits formed or anything like that. There has to be something yep. different. That a lifestyle change. This is just another Band-Aid. I think that's what another people don't recognize is like it's something that a lot of people 
they think, oh, well, I'm doing this lifestyle change. But like, if if you're actually doing a lifestyle change, like you actually have to change your habits. Like, like yes, like you may be tracking, you may be doing all the things that we tell you to do, but this involves a whole lifestyle change. Because if not, like, hate to tell you, but even what we tell you guys to do can be another quick fix if you aren't actually addressing the root cause issues that got you to where you're at in the first place. Yeah. And there's one other thing that I, I think all of us have struggled with clients is, well, my family doesn't do this or like I'm trying to do this. My family is this be the change for your family, because otherwise your sons and daughters are going to be hiring us in 20 years because they're 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight because they never learned the habits. Be the adult. I'm sorry. This, this is one of my most passionate topics. Be the fucking adult. Make the change and show them what good habits are. Yep. Exactly. I break the no, cycle. I mean, I, 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 it kills me all the time. You know, people are like, oh, I, you know, I have, I was talking to somebody the other day that was like, oh, I have all this extra like candy and pastries and cookies in the house. And like, I really struggle with those, but you know, my, but my kid, they're my kids. And I'm just like, all right, like I, I, I get it. Like, and I never want to say, you know, like, oh, your kids should be eating those foods, but it's like, maybe we start showing them like, Hey, like, and we buy more of the other stuff and we start buying a little bit less of the other stuff. And I've even seen, I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember who, what it was. I think it was um, when Jordan Syatt was on um, Tater Talks, two, two Bitches Talk Fitness with Brooke and Iris. I love them too. But they were, they all did a, a podcast together and talk about children basically and like raising kids to be healthy and, you know, with, with this lifestyle. And what Jordan was saying is something along the lines of like, hey, like, I'm going to allow my kid to have things, but it's going to be like, Hey, like this is like your allowance for the week. Basically like here's like, you know, maybe it's like two cupcakes and a, you know, a cup of ice cream that you get. This is what you get the entire week. So you can have those foods, but like you can't have, you know, 50 cupcakes this week and a whole gallon of ice cream this week. It's like you get this, you can have it all in one day. You can have it, you know, spread it out throughout the week, but this is what you get. So it's still allowing those foods, but then pushing all the other things higher as well. Yeah. My favorite thing is like when parents are like, oh, well, mom shouldn't be having this. But like you let your kids have McDonald's six times a week. Like maybe we should work on their habits too. Like kids are sponges. What you do, what you say, the way that you talk to yourself and show up for yourself inside of health and nutrition is the same way that they're going to. That's why we have so many issues in this country. I had a wake up call with Wyatt when like. I remember it was a couple months ago, we went out somewhere and it was like, he won some tickets and he got like two candy bars at this thing. And then he like demolishes those candy bars, comes home and he's like getting ice cream. And I'm like, I'm like doing the math in my head. I'm like, dude, you just had like 1400 calories of like literally carbs. And you know, and it's like, dang. So we started to do things like go buy, um, you know, smaller uh, bags of popcorn where they're hundred calories. Mm -hmm. And, 100 calorie ice cream things. And I'm like, dude, you can have both of those, but they're 200 calories. They're smaller portion sizes. And I started to do things like that. And I started to get kickback like, oh, like, you know, you're trying to put your diet off on me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, dude, like I'm trying to teach you that you would go at this pace. You're going to diabetes by the time you're 25. I was actually told that when I was 16 years old, I had to go zero sugar when I was 16 years old. The doctor told me that if you do not stop eating sugar like this, you're going to have diabetes by 25. My wow. pancreas, he said my pancreas was supposed to be like a sponge. It was like rock hard because of how much 
like I had like four or five sodas a day. I was eating candy till I threw up. Like, and I still have like spats of this where like I go off and be like, you know, seriously, I mean, uh, still today I struggle with like overeating with sugar and cravings and things like that. Like I would uh, still struggle with binge eating from time to time. It's a lot spread out now. It's not, you know, it's many times, but um, I find myself still going down that road sometimes. So super important that we don't shove that off on our kids and our kids are not seeing this and they understand exactly what Brevin is saying is like, they understand the importance of a relationship with food, that they see how we talk to ourselves. They see us in the gym working out and sweating and the importance of exercise. Like, let's not like make this normal where, you know, going to McDonald's for lunch every day is normal and not working out is, is normal. Those kind of things. Let's normalize these kind of things. Yeah. I feel like sometimes some, and, and, and Chris, I love that you're speaking about this. I'm glad we have a parent on the podcast. Cause like sometimes I'm, I'm, whoa, 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 I know whoa. You have your kitty. Kitty. <laughs> She is overweight. Right I was now. Say, you can't speak to that right now. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. Put her on keto. <laughs> but no, I, 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 I am very sensitive talking about this just because I, I, I want to be mindful of you know I'm not a parent obviously so like I think it's just important but it I think some parents and Chris you know back me up on this but I think some parents sometimes forget that it's their responsibility to help raise their child with those habits um, yeah. and it's. And it's almost like, like, like that's part of being a parent is also teaching them like, like they, they don't know right from wrong. Right. So they're, they're going to learn these habits. And if you continue to let them eat unhealthy and not exercise and not do anything activity wise, they're going to think that's okay. So that's when you have to be the parent and, and step in. Well, one of the, the craziest things that I remember growing up was our family ate like shit. We had these seven layer lasagnas and like, dude, I, I probably was eating 2000. I was drinking a glass or two of 2% mm-hmm. milk with every meal. Like, but then you go over to like one of your friend's house and their meals are a protein source, a carb source, fruits and veggies. And you're like, you guys are eating really <laughs> weird. Like, I'm not going to be full after this. And then you go like demolish a bag of chips downstairs and they're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not hungry. And like, yeah, there's an aspect of genetics that play a role into this, but there's also a massive role of environment. Like if you grow up and you think that eating a protein source, fruits and veggies for dinner is normal. Well, like that's normal for you. Like seeing your parents exercise, that's normal. Those are the kids that never struggled with their weight growing up where I was always overweight and I was like, man, you guys eat really weird. I'm going to go eat my seven layer lasagna over here. And like, that's normal. So like that stuff all matters. Like, yes, genetics plays a huge part of it. You're more genetically predisposed to be overweight, but environment is going to matter. Yeah, I I love this brand that we've had. I love well, it. I look at it this way. You know, the last time that Wyatt bought groceries, never. Like I'm in charge of that. Exactly. Like, the last time that he brought food into my house, he's never done it ever. And so like when I go to the grocery store, it's my decision to bring the, all those pastries and, you know, those unhealthy processed junk into my house that are going to cause him these issues later on in life. Like, I think we, we forget that as parents like, Oh, I want to get my kid these cosmic brownies and this and that. It's like, okay, well, you know what you're setting yourself up for. Um, you know what you're setting your son up for or daughter up for. 
So I just look at it that way. Like we have a role, we play a vital role, obviously in this. Um, we both know that. And what are you doing for it? Like, are you, yeah. are you like, are you being part of the problem or are you trying to help the problem? Yeah. Well, and there is another end of the spectrum too. I sent this guy to chase. Um, there's this guy that was on TikTok talking about like, yeah, we're zero sugar and I don't let my kids have this and this and this and this, and they're all super healthy. Like there's an aspect of like you create eating issues as well. Like there's a happy medium that you can live yeah. in. I mean, I also, I let Kitty buy groceries one time. Cat food sucks. I'm never <laughs> letting her do it again. Yeah. No, I, I, and you know, and, um, we work, uh, I, I have a client that's a teenager and you know, I, his mom is on the calls with me and things like that when we to go over some things and like even one thing that we talked about was like hey like if we're working on increasing veggies and things like that like it's never like hey don't eat this don't eat that it's like how can we get more of the other things and i exactly Addition. when i even i told him and her the mom i was like you know go grocery shopping together occasionally like and like be hey like here's like the veggie aisle the the produce section like pick three things out of this like pick three that you will eat this week then go over to like you know you know the, the carbs and such like Talk about some things and like if they maybe if they re, um, reach for the, you know, the mashed potatoes or something like that, maybe like, hey, like, that's OK. But here are a couple other options. Let's get that one thing of that. But let's try to le get some other options that are going to be a little more nutritious for you. And so, like, provide that education as you go and get them involved with that process again. So it's not like you're having to say, like, you know, you're bringing all these things home. and They're like, well, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. Like, take them with you and be like, hey, what do you want? And then. Don't tell them no, like that's oh, that's a bad food. You shouldn't eat that. Just be like, hey, like this is why I wouldn't eat a ton of this, but here are some other alternatives that would be just as good. And have them involved with that process. Shout out to him. Yeah, I definitely think yeah. talking I definitely think talking in the addition rather than subtraction, not like, well, you can't have this, this, and this. It's like, well, what can we add? Protein, fruits, veggies, um, not less processed foods, exercise, water, like talk about those things, the other stuff you can have, but the more you add the less of that stuff that you're just naturally going to have. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say shout out to him down like 25 pounds in six months. Um, yeah. so just absolutely killing it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, was going to say that Brevin, exactly what you're talking about is exactly like what I came up with, with Wyatt it was like just lowering the portion sizes, allowing him those kind of things, um, and teaching him that that way it's, I just feel like, yeah, as parents, we need to do better. I know I, I feel guilty about it. Like my, my son, like, I'm like, Hey, what do you, uh, um, what do you have after school today for, you know, a snack or whatever? He's like cereal. And then he like gets in my, he gets in my car. We're taking him to work and he's got like vanilla wafers. And this is not from my house, by the way, uh, from his mom. Um, but like, I'm like, dude, like, where's your protein at? Like, I'm always asking him like, Oh, what'd you get? He's like ramen noodles and this. And I'm like, where's your protein at? Throw some chicken in your ramen or something. Like, you know, like I'm not saying you can't have ramen, but throw some chicken in there or something. But um, and I, I don't want to pretend this stuff is easy or we're making it like, oh, it should just be a like snap of the finger and it's it's done. Like this is a process. And I'm sure I'm not a, I'm not a parent yet. Kids are really hard. I'm sure it's not easy. I mean, Kitty's really difficult. To She's deal whiny. With. <laughs> um, all right. So let's. Go ahead. And, and guys, I know we are over the 30 minutes, but we're going to keep on rocking because this is probably one of my favorite episodes we've done in a long time. So um, we're going to wrap up with the other two questions as well. Chris, what's number three? All right. We got why do we self-sabotage? Um, I'm guessing she said two seconds. I'm feeling good, quote unquote. 
Um, eating something we shouldn't followed by the guilt for eating it. What are we trying to fill with food? It's such a vicious cycle. Who wants to take that one? Uh, I'll kind of start. And I, the first thing I just stuck out like a big red thumb to me was just like eating something we shouldn't. So you're already labeling something as a food that you shouldn't be having. And we look at like good versus bad foods. And the moment you start labeling those foods is it's going to make it a lot harder. And it's going to start developing that more unhealthy relationship with food because you're already saying that you shouldn't be eating something. And it's a big reason why, like, I'm not a big fan of like when we have like cheat days, like think about any time that you cheat on something, you cheat on a test, bad, you cheat, you cheat the system, bad, you cheat in a relationship, bad, like you have all these times when you're cheating, they're all bad, but, but it's somehow good to cheat on your diet. Like it doesn't make sense. Like, of course you're going to feel guilty because you've been, you've been pretty much raised your entire life of cheating is bad. You know, all, ever since like kindergarten, you cheat on that or if they don't need to take tests, but like whatever grade you're taking tests on, like you're, you're, you know, um, cheating is bad. So number one right there, let's nip that in the butt is like, stop looking at these foods as good or bad and start realizing like, hey, maybe something's more nutritious and less nutritious. We're going to have more of the things that are more nutritious and less of the things that are less nutritious. I, I look at this. um I'll take it from another perspective because um, I think you nailed everything there is like yeah. identity. I, I think this is a, a huge one. Like what's the story that you're telling yourself? And, and a lot of the times that, that shows up in your habits, you're telling yourself that you're someone who falls off. that can't do it. That's going to continue to struggle. That can't lose weight. That eats quote unquote bad foods. Like every time you do those things, you're reinforcing that new identity to begin to change that identity. And I think that is such an underrated topic inside of health and fitness because it's a hard thing to do. Is, is you have to start easy. Make it really, really easy to start stacking wins. Make it as something as simple as I'm going to have a protein with every meal. Maybe I don't care how much protein I'm getting or my calories, but I'm going to get a protein with every meal or I'm going to eat two servings of fruits and veggies every day or I'm going to move for 30 minutes a day, whatever it is. Make it, I'm going to walk to the end of the driveway once a day. Cool, awesome. Check that box. Every time you check that box, it's a vote for that new identity. At the end of the day, we're looking to get more votes for that new identity, that person that you want to become, than the the person that you have been. So I, I think you also have to understand who do you want to be. And my favorite favorite like example on this one is is outside of fitness. <clears throat> if you're someone who's broke, but you want to become a millionaire, just because you want it really bad, doesn't mean it's going to happen. You have to ask, what does that millionaire do? How did they get there? What habits do they have? What things do they do on a daily basis that made them that person? And start to take action of that person. If you start to take action of that person, it might take you 10 years to become a millionaire, but eventually you're going to get there. Cool thing is, is we're not becoming millionaires here, at least not yet. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, you just have to continue to check these boxes and, and take these wins and start to stack them on top of each other. Start at your floor, make winning really, really easy, and then you can start to build up. But that's way faster still than constantly stopping and starting and sabotaging yourself. I'm going to take this from another angle too. I love that we're coming at this with different angles is like the all or nothing. Um, you know, you just kind of set in your statement here of like two seconds, you know, one second I'm feeling good. And then the next minute there's like this guilt and shame because for eating something and it's like, okay, well you're probably in this mindset of, well, I just completely ruined my day. And now you have this guilt and then it turns into um, even more, it make it even worse, right? Because you have that guilt 
And then the next choice you make, well, today's already shot. You feel guilty, so you maybe repeat the cycle. And it's like, remove that all or nothing mindset. Say like you wake up and you had this plan of drinking your protein smoothie and it was going to be a great day today. You're going to be eating clean, eating healthy. And breakfast doesn't go the way you want. You know, uh, little Johnny threw up on himself and, you know, and you got to wash sheets in the morning or whatever. And you can't get your smoothie in and you have to stop it. You know, you stop it and get a donut or something on the way to work. Well, you still have a next choice, the next meal. You still have lunch. You still have dinner. Just like that one meal, um, that one week is not going to define your month or year. We say like that one meal is not going to define your day. Like track that donut, 300, 360 calories. I just had one yesterday. Um, and like know that and be like, okay, sweet. Well, I have 1200 calories left or, you know, 1100 calories left for the day to make the next good choice. Like you always have a choice. Um, so not living in that all or, all or nothing mindset it can be really, really crucial as well. Yeah. And one other thing that I would definitely kind of wrap this question up with is like addressing, like she said, what are we trying to fill with food? Like that's a question that you need to take a little bit deeper. Um, Obviously there is something that you're trying to fill in that void, right? Just like, and I'm not going to go down this route a little bit too much because I talked about this on the first question, but like ask yourself, what are you lacking? What, you know, is it the protein? Is it the water, fiber, um, sleep? is it an emotion that you're trying to, you know, numb? And so that's something that um, we need to really start addressing is what emotions are, are these actually coming from? Uh, Because if you just continue to numb the emotions with food, it's always going to be an issue. Cool. Anything else to add to that question, guys? I think that was great. All right. Awesome. Well, we're going to actually go ahead and wrap this question up here with that one. Um, I feel like we are now at 45 minutes. This one's taking a little bit longer than expected, but it's been a great episode. I hope you guys got a lot out of it. And, you know, we'd love to hear your feedback. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Anything else to say, guys? Yeah, I I think it was it was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we definitely ran through a lot. <laughs> which I, which just I, so you guys know, the old kid conversation was not on our list today. <laughs> not even yeah. a little bit. That's, but that's the best part of the coaches roundtable. You just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, everyone have a great week. We will wrap up. We'll answer that last question on next week's episode, but we will talk to you guys next week. See you guys. See ya. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you enjoy the show and find it helpful, I'd love it if you would share it on your story so I can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show. Thanks again for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast.